Turn, if you would, this morning to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do thank you for what you've done in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. And God, I pray that you would help us today to give attention to your word. God, that you'd help us to be honest before you and our walk with you, our spiritual lives, our response to you. I pray that you'd help us to be what you would have us to be. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, most of you know that at our house, we are the owners of three dogs. That may lead some to believe that we are animal lovers, though that is not true. We are not animal lovers. We just happen to be animal owners. While I am not, or while most of us at the house are not animal lovers, I am not one to be cruel or unkind to animals. And I think that that's a worthwhile attitude to have. Even if you don't love them, you ought to be kind to them, etc. And so as the head of the house or whatever position you would like to call me uh, there at the house, there are things that I do to make sure that the dogs are taken care of. Of course, the responsibilities fall on the shoulders of the kids, but as the dad and as the husband, I do try to make sure that these things are taking place, and so I try to make sure that the dogs have been fed. I will try to make sure that the dogs have been watered. In the midst of severe weather, I make sure that the dogs have been brought in. And again, the kids are good to do all this without much prompting from me, but it is something that I am mindful of. Over the years, all the dogs have been to the vet at least a couple of times to meet whatever physical needs they have. And so from the perspective of a dog, here is what I would say. My dogs are blessed. My dogs have got it pretty good. There are a lot of dogs out there that have it better, I'm sure, but there are a lot of dogs out there that have it worse. And so my dogs are pretty well taken care of. They're pretty well treated. But in the last couple of weeks, there's been something happening that uh, is the result, I guess, of me being outside more. But as a result of going outside more because of the weather change and things of that nature, I've come in through the side gate. Maybe I've come into the backyard through the uh, garage entrance. Maybe I've come into the backyard through the alley. And I don't know what it is about our middle dog, but that middle dog acts like I'm a stranger every time he sees me. So on more than one occasion, he has begun barking at me. And more than on a couple of occasions, he has begun growling at me. Now, I don't mind him doing that to an intruder, but to me, that irritates me. And so on more than a couple of occasions, when the dog has done this to me, I have thought to myself, dog, that is stupid. Dog, you need to shut up right now. And on more than a couple of occasions, I've told him to shut up and, and I've told him to hush. And I've, I've tried to make him know who I was in his life very quickly. And, and as I have thought about the dog's response to me, I have thought this truth or I have had this idea across my mind that your response to me is not 
the right response. Your response to me is not an appropriate response. Because of what I have done for you and because of what I continue to do for you, because of what I provide for you, uh, dog, that is not the right response based on everything that you have afforded to you. I would like to expect more from the dog, but here's what I've got to remember. He's not the smartest animal out there. And so to expect more from his response may be too high of an expectation on my part, but it does not change the fact that I do not appreciate his response. Now this morning we're going to do something a little bit different than what we usually do on a Sunday morning. You know that for the last several weeks we've just looked at one or two verses in each section, but this morning we're going to look at the bulk of this section beginning in verse 137. As we look at these verses, I want us to understand something. Here's what the writer is going to do. The writer is going to express his thoughts, his beliefs, his position on the Word of God. If you look in verse number 137, he says this, Righteous art thou, O Lord, and upright are thy judgments. He refers to the Word of God in verse 137 as the judgments of the Lord, and he says of the judgments of the Lord, he said that your judgments are upright. What does it mean when he says that the judgments of the Lord are upright? It means this, that God, your word or your judgments, they are correct, they are accurate, they are right, of course. And it also means this, God, they are straightforward. God, your word is correct. God, your word is accurate. God, your word is right. And God, your word is straightforward. Now, I can't begin to speak for everyone in this room. I can't begin to speak for everyone who has some kind of an acquaintance with the Scripture. But I would speak for myself this morning and tell you this, that I take the same position as the writer of the Scripture. And I would say this of the Word of God, that I believe that the judgments of the Lord, because He is righteous, His Word is upright, so I believe personally that the Word of God is accurate, I believe the Word of God is correct, and I believe the Word of God is right, and I also believe that the Word of God is straightforward. It doesn't spend much time beating around the bush, it doesn't spend a lot of time trying to worry about the feelings and the thoughts and the emotions of the reader. The Word of God just comes right out and says, this is what the Word of God declares, thus saith the Lord, and I personally appreciate the straightforward approach to the Word of God. I don't have to question, I don't have to wonder, I don't have to, to ponder it very often, usually very long. The Word of God is pretty straightforward, and I believe it because God to be righteous, that His Word is upright, that it is accurate, and that it is correct. He says in verse number 138, toward the end, that not only are the commandments of the Word of God righteous, he says they are very faithful. They are very faithful. What does it mean for it to be faithful in this verse, in this context? Well, it means this, for them to be firm, steadfast, or stable. To be firm, steadfast, or stable. 
Some of these thoughts are going to overlap, I understand this, in the next few moments. But what it would indicate is this, is that the Word of God, though it may come under attack, it's not moving. It's not budging. God's Word is going to remain steadfast. It is going to remain stable. It is going to remain firm. God's Word will remain faithful. I don't know what the writer was looking at in his day. I don't know what the writer was experiencing in his day. But there had to have been something taking place in his life and the culture around them that as he was looking at what was taking place in his world, he looked at the Word of God and here's what he declared, that no matter what happened, God's Word was steadfast It was stable, it was firm, it would not change, it was going nowhere. And again, just from my personal perspective, I want to say to you this morning that that remains true of the Word of God. God's Word is still steadfast. God's Word is still stable. God's Word is still firm. And it matters not how the Word of God comes under attack these days. God's Word is not changing. So it doesn't matter what the liberal media would say. It doesn't matter what the liberal educators would say. It doesn't matter what the liberal agenda would be promoting. It doesn't matter how people on the outside may be attacking the Word of God. The Word of God is faithful. It is steadfast. It is sure. And you and I can rest in this truth. It's not changing. It's not going to change just because it has come under attack. Notice what he says in verse number 140. He says, thy word is very pure. Thy word is very pure. What does it mean for something to be pure? It means this, to be free from contamination. Now somebody may say something like this, well isn't that very similar to the word upright where you said it was correct and accurate and straightforward and of course right? Well it would be similar but this word pure carries with the idea of that which has been tested by fire and had impurities removed from it and had anything that would be a flaw taken out of it. Now this morning I want you to understand something and I want us to understand this very clearly that the writer is not suggesting that the Word of God at one point had faults and flaws in it that had to be removed, but the idea would be this, is it has withstood the fire, it has withstood the test, and what you find from the Word of God is this, is that when it has been put through the fire, when it has been put through the test, it has still come out always free from contamination or error. That's wonderful. Why is that wonderful? It's wonderful for this reason. Because you and I can know that no matter how we want to test the Scripture, the Scripture will always be accurate. This Scripture will always be right. So it doesn't matter at what direction we come at it with. It doesn't matter to what approach we use to come to the Scripture. It doesn't matter what the scenario is. It does not matter what the situation is. Here is what will always be proven of the Word of God. Every time it is tested, every time it is tried, every time somebody tries to put it through the fire, it is going to be revealed God's Word is pure. There is no contamination contained in the Word of God. He says in verse 142, 
Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and thy law is the truth. Thy law is the truth. What does it mean for the Word of God to be the truth? Well, it means this. It is something that is trustworthy or something that is dependable. It is reliable because you know it is truth or you know that it is accurate. All these tie in together, so don't lose sight of this. Because the law is truth, because the commandments and the, and, and the statutes of the Lord is truth, here is what any individual can know if they will accept it by faith, that God's word is trustworthy, you can depend on it, it is reliable, you can place all of your trust and confidence in the declaration of the law of God. In verse number 144, he said this, The righteousness of thy testimonies is everlasting. The righteousness of your testimonies is everlasting. What does it mean for the righteousness of his testimonies to be everlasting? It would mean this, to be perpetual or unending or forever. The righteousness of the testimonies. It is, he said, everlasting. It is eternal. It is perpetual. It is forever. What does that indicate to a reader? What does that indicate to a person who would come to this portion of Scripture? What is the writer saying? The the writer is saying this. What God's Word declares today is what God's Word has always declared, and what God's Word declares today, God's Word will always declare. God's Word is not going to change with the times. God's Word is not going to change with the culture. God's Word is not going to adapt to the modern way of thinking. God's Word is not going to change so as to try to be more culturally relevant to the minds of those who would be the critics. No, what the writer of the Word of God says is this, is your Word is everlasting. It is forever going to be this way. Generation after generation after generation after generation God, your word, will remain the same. So if you think about it, here is what the writer declares of God's word. He says it is upright, which means it is accurate, it is correct, it is straightforward. He said that it is uh, faithful, which means firm, steadfast, stable. It is pure, free from contamination. It is something you can rely upon. It is something that is dependable and trustworthy. And it is something that lasts forever. Friends, for him to be able to say these things of the Word of God without question and without doubt, that was a blessing. You understand it? To be able to say that of the Word of God, the commandments, the direction, the precepts, the principles, the statutes, the law, however you want to refer to it, that was a blessing that the writer enjoyed as it related to the Word of God. So I want to ask you something this morning and just think about this in your mind and answer it however you see fit, but I'm going to try to help us form and shape our answer if you need some help on this. But for the writer to be able to say these things of the Word of God, how was he able to do such a thing or how was he able to say such a thing? It's very simple. 
it was because of the goodness of God that he was able to enjoy a perfect, accurate, preserved word for him. This was not anything he had done. This is not anything that he had accomplished on his own. This was the goodness of God being manifest in his life that allowed him to be able to sit down with the Word of God and to be able to say, God, your Word is accurate, and God, your Word is true. God, your Word is dependable, and God, every time it's tested, it is proven to be accurate. And God, forever and ever, your Word is going to stand. That had nothing to do with the actions or the behavior of the writer. It had everything to do with the goodness of God. So as a recipient of the Word of God, he was forced to respond to the Word of God. As a recipient of the Word of God, he had to have some kind of a response. So it would either be an appropriate response or it would be an inappropriate response to the Word of God. It would either be a right response or a wrong response to the Word of God. Let's, let's give attention to this because this is so important, okay? You have been given this Word of God, and so as a result of being the recipient of this Word that is accurate and right and dependable and trustworthy and tested and pure, as a result of this, you have to respond now. So what was the writer's response? Well, Notice in verse 140, he said this, Thy word is very pure. Therefore thy servant loveth it. Therefore thy servant loveth it. What does it mean to love something? It means this, to have an affection for something or to have an appetite for something. To have an affection or an appetite for something. You see how good this is? This is a perfect, accurate, reliable, trustworthy, tested and proven forever Word of God. And he says, because of that, I love it. I have an affection for it. And I have an appetite for it. I have a hunger for the Word of God. He says in verse 141, I am small and despised, meaning I am insignificant in the world. I understand in this world I'm not anything that's big and impressive. But notice what he said, regardless of who I am, yet do, yet do not I forget thy precepts. What does it mean to forget something? Well, it doesn't mean that you no longer know it exists or you no longer uh, have an understanding of it. But what it would mean is this, to forget it means to wither or to ignore or to cease to care. God, because you have given us a word that is upright, because you have given us a word that is faithful, because you have given us a word that is pure, because you have given us a word that is truth, because you have given us a word that is everlasting, God, I will not allow the word of God to be something that I do not care about in my personal life. God, I'm not going to ignore your word. 
What your word says, what your word declares, what your word expects, what your word demands of me, God, I'm not going to ignore it. I'm going to live in obedience to it. And then he said in verse 143, Trouble and anguish have taken hold on me, yet thy commandments are my delights. God, your commandments are my delights. What does it mean for something to be a delight? It means to be a source of joy and a source of pleasure. A source of joy and a source of pleasure. So if we can for just a moment, let's try to tie all this together and see what the writer declares of the Word of God. God, it is accurate. God, it is true. God, it is Pure God, it is dependable. God, it is reliable. God, it is unchanging. God, though it comes under attack, it does not bend. It is steadfast and stable. God, you have given us this word that is free from flaw, free from error, free from contamination, and I can depend on it on in, or I can depend on it in any area of life because of that. My response to the word will be this. I love it. I have an affection and an appetite for it. God, I'm not going to ignore it. God, I'm not going to cease to care what your word says. God, I, I'm just not going to do that. And God, your word is going to be my source of delight my source of pleasure, my source of joy. Now, friends, that is an appropriate response to the word that was given to him. You understand this? That is an appropriate response. Now, if the Word of God is all these things, and I believe them to be these things, and I hope that you do as well, I want to ask you something. The Word of God that we hold in our hands, how, how did we come across this? Was, was it something we did? Was it something that we determined we're going to get the Word of God and we're going to, to acquire this for our lives? Or was this somehow preserved for us by the goodness of God? Well, obviously it was preserved for us by the goodness of God. I didn't do anything to make sure that I held a copy of the Word of God. You didn't do anything to make sure that you held a copy of the Word of God. So the fact that you and I hold a copy of the Word of God is because God saw fit over the generations and over the years to make sure that His Word was preserved on our behalf. Do we understand the the privilege that it is to hold the Word of God in our hands? Do we understand the, 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 just the magnificence that it is that you and I can hold the pure Word of God? It's an amazing thing. And yet, you know how so many people tend to respond to the Word of God? Kind of like a dog responding to its owner who's been pretty good to him. Not a lot of affection. Not a lot of attention. 
and many times a response that is quite inappropriate, almost like growling or barking at it. Like, I don't appreciate it. Like, I don't like it. That's not what I'm interested in. That's not what I have an appetite for. Do you understand that we have the perfect, preserved Word of God, and that is because of God's goodness in our lives? And so many times the response of His people who are the recipients of His goodness, we respond in ways that are not appropriate, in ways that I would imagine at times have to frustrate the one who ensured that we were given His Word. So this morning I want to remind us very quickly what a proper response to His Word looks like. First, it ought to be said that we could say with a sense of honesty, God, I love your word. God, I have a true affection for your word. God, I have an appetite for your word. I want to ask you this morning, what kind of an appetite did you have for the Word of God this week? What kind of an appetite did you have for it? Did you find yourself saying, hey, I need to be in the Word today. I, I, I need to be refreshed. I, I need to be fed. I, I need to be faithful to do this. Maybe not because I'm understanding everything I'm reading today, but I want to be faithful to be in the Word of God because I know that I need it. Did, did you have an appetite for the Word of God this week? Can I just tell you, just to be very honest with you, that if you weren't in the Word this week, you don't have much of an appetite. If you went days this week and you were not in the Word of God, you can't really sit here and suggest that you have a love for the Word of God. Because if you have a love for the Word of God, you cannot help but have an appetite for the Word of God. If you were in the Word of God just a minimal amount and you only did it to soothe your conscience, if you did it just for a few moments to make sure that you'd be able to say, yes, I read my Bible. Friends, if that's the only thing that motivated you to be in the Word of God, then you don't have much of an appetite for it and you don't have much affection for it. And that's not a right response. We hold in our hands what most people in this world will never even see. It tells us of who Jesus is. It tells us of God's plan for our lives. It gives us the instruction and the direction and the counsel we need. We have it and we are so used to it that we no longer have an appetite for it. We no longer have an affection for it. You know why people can just skip out on church and sit out and not be faithful to the house of God? You know why you can't depend on people from week to week and service to service? You know why there are so many people who, who never can really get the whole idea of faithfulness to the house of God? You know why they don't get it? 
They don't get it because they don't really have an affection and an appetite for the Word of God. Understand, you can be faithful to the house of God every service and not have an appetite for the Word of God, but you cannot have an appetite for the Word of God and not be faithful to the house of God. Because that's where the Word of God is declared, and that's where the Word of God is brought to the people of God. So again, you cannot have an appetite for the Word of God and not have a faithfulness to the house of God. You cannot have an appetite for the Word of God and not be faithful to reading the Word of God. If our response is what it's supposed to be, listen now, we will love the Word, and it will be known and made manifest by our affection and our appetite for His Word. Another response that is appropriate from you and I would be this, that we will not forget His Word. We're not going to ignore it. And we're not going to cease to care what the Word of God says. And it is not going to wither in our personal lives. Can I just be honest with us this morning and tell you that there are many people who sit in church who claim to love the Word of God, and yet in their own personal lives, they systematically ignore what God's Word teaches. Well, I don't care what the Word of God says here, and I don't care what the Word of God says here, and we're not going to do this in my family, and I'm not going to do this in my personal life. I'm not going to, to implement that. No, 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 we're, we're not going to do that. I don't care what the Word of God says. I'm just going to ignore that. Then don't expect that to be a right response to the Word of God in the eyes of the one who preserved and gave us the perfect Word of God. There's so many who sit in churches and they say things like this. Yeah, I know. I just, I, I don't care. I don't care anymore. You know, I just, I'm to a point, I, I don't care. Yeah, I know the Word of God says that, and you're right. And, and trust me, this, this interlaps or, or this overlaps with the idea of ignoring it, obviously. But, but they just, they don't care about the Word of God anymore. I'm telling you, there are people sitting in churches and they don't care about the Word of God like they ought or like they used to. It has withered in their personal lives. It has withered in their spiritual walk. And yet they want to claim that they love the Word of God. You don't. You do not love the Word of God and ignore it and no longer care about it and let it wither and fade in your spiritual life. A right response to the Word of God is determining in the heart and the mind, I am going to remember, I am going to, to care, and I am going to focus on and give attention to the Word of God. I'm telling you so many times, messages are preached, people hear it, and they don't give it two seconds of consideration before they are on with their lives doing whatever it is they want to do. They don't care about it. They don't make personal application. They don't ask themselves, how does this apply to me? What do I need from this? What can I get from this? 
They don't do it. Why? Because truthfully they don't care. And for so many, they respond in this manner. And again, it's not appropriate. It's not really a delight to them anymore. It's not a source of pleasure. It's not a source of joy. It's not anything that brings them gladness. It's not anything that gives them encouragement. It's not anything that really stirs them in any real positive way. It's just, if anything, ritual. It's not a right response. It is not a right response to this perfect, pure, steadfast, reliable, unchanging word. The writer says, because of what your word is, because of what you have given to me, God, I love it, I will not forget it, and it will be my delight. I want to ask you this morning, when it comes to the word of God, do you love it? Do you love it? What kind of an appetite did you have for it this week? How much time did you spend with the Word of God this week? How much affection do you have for it? When it comes to the Word of God, how many of us would be able to say, you know what, I, I do not forget the Word of God. I don't ignore it. I, I don't not care about it. I very much care about the Word of God. And the Word of God means more to me today than it did in years past. Can we truly say, can we truly say that we have not forgotten the truths and the precepts in the Word of God? And this morning I want to ask you, can you honestly sit here this morning and say, you know what, the commandments of the Lord are my delight. It's a source of joy in my life. It's a source of pleasure. I enjoy the Word of God and all that it provides and all that what it makes available. Is it our delight? It probably is for some. But without question, it's not for others. If you're honest before God, you know which one you are. You know what your response to the Word of God is. You know whether or not it's appropriate. You know whether or not it's inappropriate. You know whether or not it's right or wrong, if it's what it should be or should not be. You know. The question is whether or not we'll be honest enough to admit it, and if we'll be honest enough to admit it, if we will care enough to change anything, if anything needs to change. But I'm just telling you, we're living in a day where people aren't too worried about the Word of God. Even in the house of God. It's just the world we live in. I hope it's not true of you. I don't want it to be true of me. But it is a personal decision that each of us make for our spiritual lives on a daily basis. What is your response 
to the Word of God. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Fathers, we come to you this morning. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to think about our response to the Word of God and what you have done for us. We are blessed by what you have given us in your Word. We are blessed beyond measure to hold in our hands a copy of the Word of God. It's just amazing. And yet so many times your people who hold your Word, we don't love it, we forget it, and it's not our delight. And how wrong and inappropriate that response is. I pray that you'd bless the invitation. I pray that you'd speak to hearts however they need to be spoken to. And God, that some victories could be won today. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.